I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show there's a cocktail we used to drink in my hometown in high school called gin bucket that was just (laughs) gin in a bucket like a literal bucket with uh limes and lemons floating in it so you guys could gin buckets available (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect so many so many so many damn books hi i'm drew hi i'm christopher and this is so many damn books. And we have Aaron <laughs> Summers in the damn library with us today. How's it going? So well. <laughs> it's the best day of my life. <laughs> thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you so much <laughs> for joining us. Aaron Summers' uh, writing has appeared in The New Yorker and Tin House and Plo- Pla- Plowshares and McSweeney's, many other publications. She was a 2016 Center for Fiction's NYC Emerging Writers Fellow and a 2016 Millay Colony resident. She lives in Beacon, New York with her husband and daughter. And you're here with your novel, Stay Up with Hugo Best. That's all you. Funniest book of the summer. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, it's like, a, I mean, it's not summer yet, but it's, ti- it's, it's almost the funniest time. book of the summer. It's time to start planning your summer reading. <laughs> it's a summary book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks it. We should um, <laughs> we should uh, do the drink because obviously we're feeling the effects. Of it. <laughs> yes. So I was thinking about this this book, which is sort of a it has sort of a sweet exterior, but it's got sort of a complex um, finish. And uh, so that's why I was hoping for this. It's called, I'm calling it Poolside because there's a lot, a lot of this book happens by a pool or like around whether or not they will go into the pool. Um, and so I wanted something you could drink next to a pool. And so this is a, a spiced rum Galliano, which is a, a, a liqueur that has sort of an anise flavor to it. And then um, lemon, orange liqueur, and pineapple juice. And you mix that up and you pour it over your ice and you put a cocktail umbrella. Well, umbrella. It. Yeah. The umbrella, the umbrella is important part. It's clutch. <laughs> also, it makes it very summer. Yeah. It tastes summery. <laughs> it's five out of five Heck or yes. 10 out of 10 if we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, I like to hit all the marks. So yes, 10 or five either way. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you guys are liking it. Yeah. Um, I've had a million. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about what'd you buy. Sure. Drew. I have two galleys, both of them from Tin House. Speaking of summer reads, I think they're both coming out in 
July or June and July. Um, Mostly Dead Things by Kristen Arnett that has another great bird cover. It's like a flamingo Mm. sort of contorted in a strange way. Uh, And Costa Alegre by Courtney Malm, Mm. which uh, I'm super excited about. I know nothing about the Kristen Arnett book other than that it has to do with a taxidermist family in Florida. Mm. So I'm sure it's going to be weird. Another one of those. Yeah. (laughs) I read it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's good. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then Courtney Malm's book is fictional, historical, um, riffing on Peggy Guggenheim in Brazil, I think. Mm. Um, And it just, it feels like a crazy left turn from her considering her last two books. So I'm stoked to see what that's like. Yeah. I like when people make their left turns. Plus, I love a good Tin House book. Like the galleys feel good. Yeah. The real books feel good too, but like they just. Yeah, they do. They do a nice nice. job. Yeah. Do you want to talk about a book that you bought? Sure. Um, I got the new Lucia Berlin or newish, the new FSG evening or evenings in paradise. Evening uh, one or yeah. multiple? Yeah, I think it's multiple. Either multiple? way. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it's, got, it's got a great cover. It's got that ashtray on the cover, mm-hmm. and I'm excited um, because I loved the Cle- the one collection of hers that I've read. Cleaning women. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. M- manual for manual cleaning. for mm-hmm. cleaning women. Yeah. Um, blew me away. So I'm excited. Yeah. That that looks really good. Nice, Christopher. Um. So, I got a. We got sent a good talk by Mira Jacob, which is so exciting because I want to have a good talk. And it's a <laughs> um and it's a memoir in conversations and it's illustrated and it's like comics. I'm very excited to because it seems like a completely new form. And I'm actually I I'm feeling like a comics renaissance coming on. Like I just wanna read comic books. Cool. My um yeah, they're just so good recently. Summer. I think that must be I, it. Maybe I feel, it's just because it like hit seventy five today in New York that I'm like summer. Yeah, it, it really it feel, felt like summer. It yeah. feels like it's coming. Um, which is why we should talk about your novel. Stay up with Hugo Best. It's such a. It is kind of a summer read, although it's spring and it's a good spring read too. It's just so bright, um, although it gets cloudy. Um, but do you want to tell our listeners what it's about? Uh, sure. It's about a retiring late night talk show host, Hugo Best, who um, at, after the last the taping of the last episode of his show has a chance encounter with the writer's assistant from the show um, at kind of a divey comedy bar um and on a whim invites her back to his house in greenwich connecticut and she surprises herself by accepting uh, and it kind of unfolds from there yeah I, t- I felt like it was sort of about like that like that thing where um i don't know as you go on in life you make less fewer like random decisions like you few like there's mm-hmm. less of those like opportunities that come in front of you like wow i actually don't know what could happen if i said yes to this um, so I feel like those dwindle and dwindle. So I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Or la- fewer opportunities where you're not totally weighted down by obligation. So you could even consider it, you know, right. like if you have a job or a life or a spouse or, you know, some someone you're serious about or a kid, like you cannot just like do that kind of thing anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think that um, the age she is, she's 29. And I think that's like the last, that's kind of the end of that, mm-hmm. that like... Mm-hmm 
spontaneous decision making. Um, so this novel is set in sort of like, or or at least Hugo Best is a late night character, and I'm just curious about like what drew you to put a novel in that world. Um, I was just interested in. It. I haven't worked in late night. Um, I'm not a comedian. I was just interested in it and a fan, um, and I learned a bit about I was working at a trade publication about film and television oh. circa like 2010 when there was the last big dust up about late night succession like uh-huh. who would succeed Jay Leno mm-hmm. which and was, it was gonna be huge. Conan yeah it was like a huge thing <laughs> there was even like a 30 rock like about that later like I just think that that's <laughs> so crazy how big it was like it was a big crazy deal it feels like it wouldn't even be as big of a deal today. No. Like people would be like, who oh, yeah. cares? <laughs> yeah. If any of those guys step down, it's just gonna be like, all right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was just sort of fascinated by it. And I was fascinated by the character of Jay Leno or Jay Leno as a human being and amused by the thought of what if I had to interact with Jay Leno someday? Like <laughs> it would be a disaster. I just didn't see any way to relate to someone of that level of fame like there his fame seems to totally like obscure his humanity mm-hmm. um in a way that I didn't think I would be able to get in there at all I thought I would like humiliate myself instantly if I ever had to interact with Jay Leto <laughs> and so I just sort of put the, these musings in my pocket um and until I was ready to pull the trigger and get serious about writing a novel a few years later <laughs> um so were you thinking Jay Leno and like like using him as your baseline this whole time? Because I wasn't sure who he was, who Hugo Best was, because th- it seems like he's all of them. Like there's so many things. Yeah, he's sort of a composite. There's like a little bit of Letterman in there. There's, um, you know, traces of controversies that other people, other comedians have had. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a, like a dash of Bill Murray, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, influences from all over. I didn't want him to be specifically any one person. Mm-hmm. I, as I was reading, this so rarely happens that I, I fully f- see some other human performing one of these roles. And for some reason, for me, it was Michael Douglas. <laughs> and I like, I was like, yeah, I am sold on. I like, I could see the titles of the show. I could see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It just leapt off the page in a way that I don't find myself caring about late night i think there's there has been a a sea change around how we interact with tv in general but specifically this kind of thing i was just reading a miles clee essay where he was like everything has stopped working like this this comedy the resistance comedy that's coming out of late night just doesn't it's not funny yeah and it's not changing anybody's mind it's not doing anything but i found myself so engaged in this fictional creation and i'm i'm curious about how far back you went how much more you created of the world of stay up with hugo best i get what you mean like where does where does he figure into the bigger picture of like if hugo best exists yeah how does he relate to the real person of david letterman yeah Mm. right that's a big issue (laughs) because I waffled on the the topic of like what network Mm -hmm. is this show on Mm -hmm. because if he's on CBS, it 
erases this guy. If he's on NBC, it erases this guy. And then it just like it all becomes too psychedelic for me. You know, like it's like and there's like a butterfly effect and it's like, does Letterman not exist? Right. Does Letterman yeah. not exist? Um so I address that by ignoring it <laughs> and keeping the <laughs> keeping um, those questions a little bit vague. Mm-hmm. Like you may have noticed the network is not named. Um, and I sort of set a rule for myself that was like um, Letterman and Leno are never named. Mm-hmm. So like no one in his cohort of late night talk show hosts is directly referenced but everyone exists prior like in the previous class like Carson exists right Mm -hmm. right right um but yes but still sort of an open question of like where he exists in relationship and you know to to real life David Letterman right Once you're once we're at Hugo Best's house, um, like he almost like disappears for a lot of it. And there's other things like I was I don't know. I I was like biting my nails with the like relationship with the son like that is he's so his son is like 17 years old. And it's like I I was thinking of like rich kids of Instagram, sort of (laughs) like that sort of lifestyle of like having a lot of money and not having any um, perspective on the world. But so I was just curious, like that, that creepiness, like she seems like, interested in him, but not like there's like a, a, a sort of black hole there that she's like attracted to in some way. Yeah. Spencer, the hot son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love Spencer. I loved writing Spencer. Um, and he is inspired by, um, so I grew up in South Carolina, but my, um, it, when, after I was an adult, my parents moved to the Northeast, to Greenwich, Connecticut, and my kid's sister did one semester at Greenwich High School and hung out with, like, grandsons of Bernie Madoff Whoa. and in, like, their weird, huge houses, and she was, like, new and from the South, so she was <laughs> popular, so she was, like, out on their boats, and she would, like, tell me things, and I would milk her for details. So, <laughs> That's what like sort of what inspired Spencer best. But I thought that there should be some element of like triangulation between like the like the tensions that exist between her and Hugo and her and the son Spencer. Um, and that he is also a good device for making her unable to judge him mm-hmm. for his indiscretions because she's about to do the same thing with his son. Right. There's an interesting expression of, um, I guess, cancel culture in that, like, June can't quite cancel Hugo Best because she's so close to him and, like, has this relationship. And and it seems like when you get closer to something of, like, cancel culture of, like, oh, like, like that person, I'm just not going to pay any attention to them anymore. You can't really do that when you're that close. Right. Yeah. Or if someone is that dear to you. Mm-hmm. And she starts to show similarly questionable moral choices yeah. which i would i would love to know how you balanced i balanced the morality i guess of the novel yeah because you sort of go in thinking when he shows up and picks her up and it's like okay come with me to connecticut right and you're... she's like yeah you're like okay i know what this story is and then it it defies your expectations at just about every turn mm-hmm. 
she finds out that she's not as good as she thinks she is, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is interesting, or she's more complex than she thought she was. And also she discovers things about her, uh, about what she wants, Mm -hmm. like surrounding money and fame. Mm -hmm. It like becomes clear to her that she wants money and she wants to be famous. Um, And it was really important to me to just like have her have realistic feelings in the moment mm-hmm. i think that it would be really hard to go to that like hu- that fictional house of hugo best you know that's filled with amazing art and has like a pool and is great and not want it mm-hmm. right so i just tried to be honest to those feelings right one of the most I guess like cringe comedy or just cringe moments for me was um, when she's like trying to do a little bit of stand up in the spa mm-hmm. with like, which is like full of she's it's like a party and it's full of famous people. And she's trying to do a little bit of like, and like no one likes it <laughs> and just it's she's met with just like bubbles and silence. Um, I don't know. There's no question. I just really, <laughs> yeah, the hot tub is full of like, they're at a shock jocks house and mm-hmm. it's full of like terrible conservatives wearing hats <laughs> and they just like she's just totally out of her element and they hate her mm-hmm. yeah i was i was so into that that was like this moment that i was i think yeah i think that was the moment that i really like fell in love with the book because it had this very real like sometimes you try something and it is not funny <laughs> <laughs> and like to fail in front of that group of people yeah, she's a little stone and she's like, oh, it's not working, but press is on. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you feel compelled to press on. You're like, it's not working, but <laughs> there's there are these other small moments, too, that as I was flipping back through, I found a bunch of passages that I had marked or noted that it's all there's a lot of really good advice in this book for young artists, for people who are hungry. And it there's something fascinating to me about that like that hugo is somebody who you can look up to and yet also in these moments is also totally fucked up and horrible yeah were you were you conscious of of layering in these things these moments of genuine good advice like are they things that you believe yeah are those lessons that you've learned yeah it's an advice book (laughs) (laughs) Go to Greenwich, Connecticut. Actually, Letterman lives in New Canaan. Go to New Canaan, Connecticut. Knock on David Letterman's door. And he will tell you. Yeah, and see what happens. Um, No, I don't know. If there is any advice in the book, um, it is by accident. I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I... I have had some experiences. Obviously, I'm like trying to have a creative career and you learn things mostly about how terrible life is. Right. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know uh, if those are lessons so much as as unfortunate observations. (laughs) Um, Can you talk about the short timeline? Because it is this book is three days. It's just the weekend. The short timeline is sort of what allowed me to write it because Mm. it made the project less daunting. Mm-hmm. If I think like writing us, I'd never written a novel before, so I didn't know. You don't know if you can do it right. um, or if you have the stamina, but 
the short timeline made it so I could focus on small moments, which because I'd written short stories, I knew I could like pull off scenes that were just small moments, like small human interactions and that are, you know, not plot driven, just driven by like someone feeling weird. Yeah. Um, and it also gave an important structure um, to everything or an easy, an easy structure, a manageable structure where every section begins in the morning and ends at night. So mm-hmm. I didn't have to like overthink how like where to begin and end every section Mm -hmm. um and yeah there is that really great and i think realistic um thing every morning where you waking up in a strange place where you're like i'm uncomfortable i don't know what to do like do i get dressed (laughs) like uh i want to shower but there isn't a towel i don't want to bother anyone um so i hope some of that is in there Right. It's like uh, it's the place where like all of your routines live is the morning, like all the things that you're like, okay, these are the things that I do to get to face the day (laughs) and you can't do any of them. Right. She wants a coffee, but she has to ask three people. (laughs) No one knows where it is because they don't really live there. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, She's hungover. Yeah. Um, I mean, this book is tragic comic. I mean, it's it's always like. And I, and I'm curious that if if there was any like um like one that you were dialing up more, or one that you that you're, you're like, oh, this needs to be funnier now, and like go back and make it funny, or did you like go back and like turn up the knobs on the tragedy? I'm always working to restrain the jokes as much as possible. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah, because my inclination is like to be totally ridiculous and slapstick. Mm-hmm. So I actually, this is insane. <laughs> I instruct myself while I'm writing. My mantra is hold the leash. Like I I say, like I say to myself, hold the leash and like, don't let it off the leash. Cause if I let it off the leash, it's going to become just like pages of riffing and jokes (laughs) and it like will not, not amount to anything. Mm. So I try to practice as much restraint as possible. Is there any, can you like picture the novel where you don't need to hold the leash? Like, is there something down the line that you're like, oh, I want to let that go. And maybe I could riff for 300 pages. I don't think, I'm also a little bit naturally melancholy. I think. <laughs> like there's always like an edge of being bummed out, mm-hmm. I think in my writing. Um, and I think that's what makes it mean something too. Um, that like it's a little bit sad and i'm a little bit naturally sad so i don't know i don't know what do you mean mean something like this the sad parts are what this make this book mean something right Right. like it it's what gives the book weight or or heft um if they just had fun and then had (laughs) sex at the end spoiler uh like i don't know does that mean does that mean anything it's just like a fun romp what like what is that is that women's literature is that (laughs) you know a romance novel what is it if it's not sad if it's just jokes and then people having you know consequence free sexual intercourse is that a book right i don't think so right right because that i mean that doesn't that doesn't mirror life right Right. no i'm sad all the time (laughs) (laughs) not now it's the best day of my life (laughs) 
all of the things that have just been said feel like they all any single one of them could point towards Cassandra at the wedding. Yeah, the best day of somebody's life. Um, the little bit of sadness. Yeah, the compressed timeline. The tragic comedy. Would you tell us uh, why you brought us this book? Yeah, Cassandra by Dorothy or Baker. Baker. Yeah, I almost said Parker. It's like that's wrong. Ooh, close. (laughs) Yeah, close. Um, No, I use this book um, for structure. Like I read it for structure. Cool. Yeah, Um, because it has the compressed timeline, the single setting of like the one awesome house, Mm -hmm. Um, and I just love it. And I would sometimes just read it. Um, because it's so it's written with such wit and levity and which conceals like a sadder a a real sadness at its heart right um which i think it's sort of spiritually similar to my book definitely so it's about this uh woman who's a twin and uh, she's going home to her twin's wedding and there's some sort of tension around the fact that they're they they were like attached at the hip twins sort of at some point. Um, but that is no longer the case. And so she's coming to see her twin after a long time. Um, it's almost a sexual tension between them. Yeah. Right. Well, they're very, well, I mean, she's so, she admits very early on how narcissistic she is and how much she loves looking at herself and like how she looks in the mirror and will sometimes just see her sister Right. She's like also still really into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's truly Narcissus. Like when you think about the fact that Narcissus was so enamored of himself, mm. that he couldn't look away. Like, of course, that's a sexual thing. Yeah. Right. Which is like so then it's also, though, like that that could maybe turn off somebody where they're like, oh, I don't know. Borderline incest. Creepy. It's so funny. Yeah. There are these these moments of the first time I laughed out loud, she goes and she climbs up um she like climbs up a rusty ladder at one point very early on in the book and then there's a the way it's described that she falls off of it there's nothing about her falling it's just that she picks herself up off the ground Mm. and there's just it was like it was slapstick but without the slapstick yeah like they skipped the slapstick fall yeah which and then so much of the book does that it's like the the thing that should be funny lives in this sort of cut out and you just see everything around it well and she she hears cassandra who you who the voice you start with she's so cutting um <laughs> and she also like really wants like witty rejoinders to everything and she's like disappointed if you don't have one so she she's and she's constantly when someone says something back to her that has like like a nice smack of wit to it she's just like ah very nice like, <laughs> uh, you've risen to the occasion of talking to me <laughs> She's great. She, her, the voice is incredible. The voice drives the whole thing. And I think you're just immediately in love with her. Mm. Yeah. Even though she's, she's weird. Yeah. And <laughs> flawed. Um, but you can't you can't help it. She's so funny and so winning. She um I think the first time I laughed was when they're having their um they haven't seen each other in a while and they're like by the pool and they're pretty drunk. Um, and she's just like pouring brandy into her sister's glass and just like, ah, oh, yes, we can share this. Like we're the same. And just <laughs> like, I was laughing so much about like the way that they kept like giving this drink back and forth to each other. <laughs> like, I feel like three ounces of brandy just passed between them like over and over for like a good 10 pages. The thing I think about that always makes me laugh is how she keeps making a hangover remedy for herself. Um, <laughs> 
but it's like got a splash of vodka in it, yeah. and she keeps telling her grandmother it's white port. <laughs> there's, a, I mean, there's a great moment at the end too where the dad's like, "White port, what?" And it's like it's the perfect payoff to that running joke. Yeah. Can we talk about pianos? Because like the the piano is like, a, first of all, it's a very I feel, I feel like it, as far as instruments go, it's a narcissistic instrument in in a way like this because it's this huge <laughs> thing. You have to have thousands of pounds of it. Uh-huh. And then like, you know, there's a lot of like piano soloists and things, but um, it's not Cassandra's instrument. It's her sister's uh, more Judith's. Um, I don't know. I, I love pianos. And I and I started listening. I listened to piano while I was reading this because I don't know. Sure. It's just something to do. Set the mood. It's appropriate. <laughs> Though corny. <laughs> that's, that's exactly the line I walk all the yeah, time. That's the vibe. Yeah. It's also like, it's just such a big thing yeah. that it's difficult to split. Yeah. As, as you're thinking about these two people who have been together and are in one way or another, like their lives are about to change. The, the piano, I found myself like wanting to, I don't actually want to write the essay. But if I was in college, I'd be like, ah, I can bet you I can get an essay out of this piano. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could follow the piano. Yeah. 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 It's the elephant in the room, right? It's like the piano in the apartment. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Their, that, re- their indivisible relationship. That she left behind. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> meaty. It's meaty. But it's also so great as just like a rich person thing. There, oh, yeah. There are so many great rich person signifiers in this. This book is just like unabashedly in praise of being rich yeah um which is refreshing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean we were talking about this before we started recording that like there's no there's there's nothing about class in it other than like yep so this big house it's they like they want to have a big wedding the grandmother is like but we need to invite all of my bridge friends yeah and they're like well what if it was smaller and that is so appalling to the grandmother like how how could you not invite your teacher who's like maybe dead, but your your grade school teacher must come mm. along with all of these other people? I was horrified. I'm planning a wedding right now. And it's <laughs> <laughs> that's so you're, you're marking that like, well, that's not good wedding planning and at all. And I'm about to go to a thing at a house in California that like has a pool outside. So you're going to live in out the, this In book. the foothills of the sea. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Don't uh, watch Neither of my fiance nor drinks. I have a twin. So <laughs> that's... That you want to... Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, there's, there's some. <laughs> I don't even. I almost used an expletive. Am I allowed to swear? Have I oh, been yes. swearing? No, you're allowed okay. to. Okay, all right. <laughs> we usually Christopher doesn't swear because his mom listens to the podcast. It's Aww. very sweet. Yeah, there's it's more sweet. of that appropriate and corny. I, I was thinking of it, you know, you said Joan Didion and I was thinking Nora Ephron, like there's just like these people are horrible, but the witticisms like and the mm-hmm. and the just like charmingness of it, like just floats you right on by all the fact that they're horrible. Full of Joan Didion. Yeah. Right? Like she's from that part of California, isn't mm-hmm. she? It, yeah. I mean, it, it, I was really thinking a lot about Play It As It Lays and the like the way that that voice, too, is so compelling and yet kind of terrible. Right. And you're like, I don't, 
do I want to be in this clearly unwell person's mind? Yeah, well, and yet I can't put it down. Didion also loved to like mention when someone had like a good rejoinder, or, like when mm-hmm. like ah that was witty, like right. She, liked <laughs> she thought the worst. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about how this book had sort of like a a West Coast, but they had this like East Coast richness aesthetic, and then your book had a sort of East Coast, but they're definitely in like a West Coast vibe the whole time like in their hot tubs and pools like it, it I don't know I I was I was aware of that reading them very close to each other yeah in my book they're definitely conspicuously new money mm-hmm. not like east coast old money whereas in Cassandra they read as old money right mm. for sure I was also thinking of um Greta Gerwig <laughs> while I was while I was reading this, like uh, Mistress America like I feel like they're very this this that could have been the house for one of either of these books for sure yeah. so actually a secret <laughs> about my writing this is maybe embarrassing <laughs> this might be one of those things i ac- ask you to exclude later <laughs> is i sometimes have to to like get up the nerve to like write continue to write a dialogue driven book with no plot i have to disassociate completely like tell myself i'm someone else mm-hmm. and the person i sometimes do is noah baumbach mm. oh, oh yeah i can see yeah. that yeah. I can totally see that. I have to like do like one of these. I'm shaking my arm <laughs> <laughs> and be like, "You're not you. You're you're Noah Baumbach. Like just, just write dialogue." I love mm. that. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's also clearly it works. Yeah, so it works. Well, it gives me it gives me the nerve anyway, the nerve to not have right. a plot and the nerve to have it be like relationship driven and have these people be sort of horrible um, and flawed. So I think um, I think this is something that I've been um, noticing recently is that people uh, I guess because we had we've been we were talking about women talking by Miriam Tevs as well, which is also it's called women talking. Yeah. (laughs) It's dialogue. Does what it says on the tin. Uh, But that the idea that these aren't plot driven is sort of strange to me because they're so tense, like like Mm -hmm. tension Tension is plot. Plot is tension. Like emotionality, I, 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 I think it's a mistake to say that um, there's no plot to stay up with Hugo Best because there is. Like it's, but it's like small, and I think that that can be exciting. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mostly identify as post-plot. <laughs> like I can't. I'm not even interested in trying to write a traditional plot where. Mm-hmm. A lot of big eventy things happen, and this thing over here moves a gear that eventually like causes this thing way down the timeline to happen, and it's very satisfying. I don't think I'm, I'm just like not interested in that at mm. all. I can't do it. If like when I attempt causality, it's like a disaster. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, all I can do is focus on you know small moments between people. Well, um, I mean, this particular book was it's it's tense because the whole time there there it doesn't feel like causality. It, it feels like and at any moment, like she could decide to do something different, like and run like she could at any time just leave like that. That is a I mean, she has she was driven there. So but <laughs> I'm talking about your book. Stay up with you. Go best. Um, but this, uh, I mean, Cassandra at the wedding too. Like you, she could at any moment just change her mind and like get out of there. But there's that. Ten- I don't know. I love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it happens a little bit in 
So there's there is a voice shift, which is also one of the most impressive things about Cassandra, where it goes from Cassandra to Judith, and they feel like almost the same voice, but just very slight, distinct ways not. Hmm. But Judith kind of does that. I don't. I, I mean, we're we're in spoiler territory. Also, the book came out in 1962, so deal with it. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Judith decides not quite to elope, but she and her husband are like, "Fuck it, let's go to the courthouse right now. Let's do it." Well, yeah. And that there's something about that that like she we're seeing the contrast in a really neat way where Cassandra could make the choice, but she doesn't to to change things to get out to do something. And Judith, without even being aware that she's doing it, is like, "I'm gonna go do this." Yeah. Which is, it was like, and then to go back to Cassandra at the end of the book, it just, it, everything like builds and layers, but in a way that doesn't feel like plot, it just does feel like character development. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's really brilliant, that point of view shift, I think. Um, often when I'm reading a book with multiple point of views, I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Just let me stay with the main guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I liked him. Give me, the, <laughs> give me the main guy. I don't want to go to like a, a secondary or tertiary person that I don't like as much. Um, but this had like this book has a really compelling reason um, to shift, which is that the Cassandra becomes unconscious. Mm-hmm. Um which is great. I love that. She's like physically unable to narrate anymore and Judith takes over. Mm. Um, and I think that's so brilliant uh, and such such a smart craft decision. And mm. I envy it. It's almost <laughs> like it, it's another one of those things that in the right light could be funny. Like in, in this book, it is very much not. It's very much leaning into the tragedy side. But that idea that like somebody gets knocked out and the POV shifts. Yeah. That's hilarious. It could be that's funny. That's great. Yeah. Could be. Um, totally. Uh, um, yeah, no, not played for <laughs> lols, though. <laughs> no, no. Aaron, you mentioned that you had picked up Cassandra at the wedding as you were working on Stay Up With Hugo Best. Are there other books that you were reading while you were working on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Goodbye Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Lucky Jim. Oh, oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah, mm. which I think is the greatest, maybe the greatest comic novel ever written, um, and is the same sort of like one weekend with an idiot. Genre. <laughs> 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 oh, please make the top ten list of one weekend with an idiot. Like there, <laughs> there are a lot. Um, Straight Man with Richard Russo uh-huh. with Richard Russo <laughs> <laughs> at Richard Russo before Richard Russo no by Richard Russo um, uh, Who is Rich by Matt Clam it's like oh yeah that's a week what else did I read oh oh um Desperate Characters mm. do you guys know that book no it's amazing Paula Fox Ooh. I do know that name. I know, yeah. Yeah. You got to look it up. It's so it's a weekend with an idiot. But she's <laughs> um, in New York City. She is scratched or bitten by a cat <gasps> that might be rabid. <gasps> and she just like does not get attention for it all weekend. <laughs> attention builds. I'm sold. Wow. It's so good. It's like it's like a New York City classic. There was another book that you <laughs> I can't wait. Um, recommended for the show. Then I'm trying to remember. Oh, after Claude. Mm -hmm. After Claude is only over a couple days too. That's an NYRB 
also and it is so amazing iris owens it's like a truly awful person who is breaking up with her boyfriend or her boyfriend is breaking up with her and she like locks him out and like inhabits his apartment um and is is insane (laughs) she's i mean yeah it's totally insane it's a great book when we were going back i ordered a copy because both of the books that you were i was like which we were debating we were like which one should we do yeah it was a it was literally like a coin toss um We should talk about recommendations because we're already in it. Yes, sure. We read some pretty cool books. We recommend you take a look. Yeah. Do you want to recommend something? either of you <laughs> you looked dead in between the two of us to ask that question as though you're yeah. speaking perhaps to a ghost <laughs> I, have, I have two. Oh yeah. yeah okay one is a book so this is serious um well not <laughs> serious but uh do you guys know this book coming out three women by lisa tadeo mm. I've, I've heard of it june but... or july it's non-fiction but it's like written in a very novelistic way cool like i think that even in the first person which is crazy. And it's just about three. She just follows three ordinary women and it's about their, just like their sexual desire. And that's really it in their Mm. ordinary lives. Amazing. It's amazingly executed. It's incredible. It's the best book I've written this, read this year. The best book I've written this year is stay up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And my other recommendation is Jay McInerney's Instagram. (laughs) nice okay which i think is the antidote to brett easton ellis's oh thank god Uh terrible everything everything terrible everything yeah Yeah. he's just a delight he goes around in a suit on instagram he's (laughs) really good suits really good suits he drinks his wine (laughs) and he's just aging pleasantly yes Mm. Ah, that's um it's goals right there. Yeah, I've come really <laughs> close to DMing him a lot. <laughs> Just to be like, I'm a I'm a young novelist. Like, <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> do, you, do you have any wine recommendations? Yeah, or cocaine. That, that <laughs> he's probably he's probably done with that at this point. Okay, do you have a recommendation, Drew? I do another um, another like tragic comic super voicey in the right mood it's funny in the right mood it's very much not uh muriel sparks the ballad of peckham rye Mm. i read a bunch of spark recently and peckham rye is like it's also right up my alley a character who may or may not be the devil shows up Mm. in this little town and just causes havoc his name is either uh dougal douglas or douglas dougal and it's just like it is it's my favorite Muriel Spark novel. It has all of the like effervescent wit. And then also just some really horrible shit happens. And you as the reader kind of have to decide, am I going to laugh or am I gonna feel bad about this? Mm. And I chose to laugh and I laughed a lot. <laughs> um Nice. Yeah. Christopher, how about you? Uh so I'm recommending um this you know i'm i was saying i was into comics earlier and i and i just read one that was just like an obvious masterpiece uh clyde fans by seth um it's out from drawn and quarterly at the end of the month it might be out by the time this comes out um so this is a 
20 years in the making graphic novel. He's released some of the books, but hasn't released the full project yet. And uh, it, it follows a, a, a fan supplier, uh, two brothers who run a, a fan supplier in Canada. <laughs> And I know you're already at the edges of your seat, <laughs> but uh, it it it's so I don't know. It's an explanation of it's an exploration of melancholy and uh, life and duty and brotherhood. I don't know. I was it, it was a huge bummer. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> really similar. <laughs> I know, but it was so like the art is fantastic. If if you knew Seth. Um, you've seen his drawings. He's been, uh, he's done New Yorker covers and, mm -hmm. and he did, uh, some Lemony Snicket books. Yeah, he did all the wrong questions. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, his work, um, and this is just a culmination and it's just, I don't know. You're just in the present. You just realize while you're reading it, like, this is an amazing accomplishment, a lifelong accomplishment. Cool. Yeah. Sounds great. Highly recommended. Nice. Also highly recommended. Stay with Hugo Best. Yes. You will not you will not read a funnier book this summer. Um, and then the things we always recommend doing is one, going to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash SMDB uh, and, and pledging. We really appreciate all the people who already do. Um, and we would appreciate if you wanted to support the show. Uh, you can also support the show by writing to us. On all the things were so many damn books. We're also, um, we also really love iTunes reviews. That That's like the best way to support the show is writing. Every nice single one, Christopher writes me a, a very happy text message. And um, five stars. <laughs> or 10. Uh, but that's it. That's it. We've done it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the thanks show. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the book. And thanks for introducing us to Cassandra too. Yeah. This yeah. is such a great, um, I feel like I'm going to read some more Dorothy Baker for sure. Do it. And uh, and yeah, seriously, everybody go and you you'll spend like it's it's such a fast but like meaty read of Stay Up with Hugo Best. I think you'll really like it. Cool. Thanks, Bye. Guys. Bye.